Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. Oh, boy, I hope you've been hanging in there. It's been a wild few weeks, no doubt. On top of everything that's been happening on the world around the world, I've also been doing my 2021 planning, which just seems to add to things. Uh, and it's always a stressful time of year when you're putting together budgets and plans. And my team presented to our board of directors last week, and they did a fantastic job. But everybody was really glad when the week was over. One of my directors said at the end of the session, boy, I bet you feel good. You're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And I said, yes, but I'm entering another tunnel right after this one. It's been that kind of year, one tunnel after the other. When you see the light, it's short-lived. I'm really looking forward to 2021. Hopefully there are far fewer tunnels. Okay, now for my guest. I'm so happy to tee up this amazing person. Ben Wright is the founder of Velocity Global, a global employment solutions firm based in Denver, Colorado. Ben is a great friend of mine. I met him several years ago at a World Trade Center event in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we both became members of YPO Colorado. YPO is Young President's Organization. Uh, but we didn't know that we were both going to become members. And then we ran into each other. And we're like, hey, I know you. I know you. And I really appreciate getting to know him over the past several years. Ben will explain what Velocity Global does. But in a nutshell, they employ people in countries all around the world on behalf of their clients. It's one of Colorado's fastest growing companies. They've won dozens of awards for leadership, culture, and growth. And really funny story, uh, this past weekend, while my family and I were watching the Masters, all of a sudden, I see Billy Horschel pop up on screen with a Velocity Global hat. And I was like, hey, I know that guy. I know that CEO. So I took a picture of my TV screen, which seemed a little bit weird, but it was like, okay, I'm going to send this to Ben and say, hey, you're famous. Did you know that Billy's wearing your hat? And he laughed and he said, yes, that Velocity Global had put in a bid to sponsor Billy's hat and they won. And their bid was half of the other company that bid it. But Billy said, after doing research on the companies, I'm picking Velocity Global, even though they aren't uh, bidding as much for the sponsorship, because I think their CEO is a really cool guy. And I could not agree more. Really even better story by luck of the draw, Billy happens to be golfing with Tiger Woods. So there's so much airtime. That Velocity Global hat was everywhere. So I really hope that uh, Ben and uh, his team saw a lot of increased traffic on their website as people were trying to learn about what Velocity Global does. All right, back to Ben. So Ben founded uh, the company as a first-time entrepreneur in 2014. So he had no idea what he was doing starting this company, but he believed so much in, in his idea that he quit his job and started uh, started the company. And he will share the lessons and insights he's gained along the way, how he's built a team, less mistakes he's made. We talk about all kinds of fun things. He is one of the most humble and authentic leaders I know. And we share lots of laughs in this podcast and I know you will love it as much as I do. Give me just one minute and I'll be right back. All right, welcome back everybody. I'm so excited for you to meet Ben Wright, my good friend and fellow YPR, as I explained in the introduction. Ben, thanks for being on Reflect Forward. It is certainly a pleasure to be here, Kay. Nice, nice. Good. All right. So uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about Velocity Global and why you started it and a little bit about who you are. 
Velocity Happy Two, Velocity Global is a Denver, Colorado headquartered company. We help companies expand and go global. Um, in a very, very short sense, if you're looking to employ someone in a country other than your own, and you don't have your own legal entity, your own presence, you haven't established yourself in that country by which to employ that person, we have a employer of record model. We will employ your employee on your behalf in that country because we have the ability to employ people in 186 countries. So that's, good. that's what we do, six-year-old company. Um, I am the founder and CEO, first-time entrepreneur. Um, we've been really blessed. You know, we've been we've been kind of growing like crazy. You know, six years in, uh, we've got 250 of our own employees located across a dozen countries um, of our own. You know, probably north of 200 million this year in revenue. Um, ended up number four two years ago. Our first year, we could apply on the Inc. 5000 list, which is way cool. I mean, I, I remember walking by a buddy's office once and seeing you know an Inc. 5000 plaque man, I wonder if I could be on the Inc. 5000 someday. And so to end up number four was just, uh, it still kind of blows my mind. It's something I'm real proud of. But uh, anyway, th that's us. Great team. Um, and we help companies go global. So how did how did you start this company? How, how did you know that this was such a need that was out there? I was an employee, again, first-time entrepreneur. So obviously before this, I was an employee of a company and we helped our clients set up their legal entities and subsidiaries all around the world. And then we helped them with all that compliance. And Carrie, just, I'm so, I feel so fortunate and blessed that at that moment I was listening. We started having companies coming to us and saying, hey, Ben, I, I understand you guys can help us set up our company in Saudi Arabia. But honestly, like I've been there, done that, setting up a company in a foreign country sucks. I know it. I've done it. I just want to hire this person. You guys do business all over the world. Can't you just employ them for us? Um, and so I started looking around as the questions, you know, kind of repeatedly started coming in. And I just couldn't find anybody offering a service like this. So again, a lot of good bounces along the way. I brought it to our founder at the time and I said, hey, I think we ought to be in this space. And I'd be, I raised my hand, I'd be happy to run it. Um, and he looked at me and said, you know, I'm just not interested. Uh, I don't know whether it was me running it or the space, either way. <laughs> um, and, you know, I said, I just, I really think there's something here. So I resigned um, and started Velocity Global. That's and scary. Sure, Sure enough, right? I mean, we've had a great wind at our back the whole way. So it turns yeah. out, it turns out there really was something there. Um, so anyway. And how did you test the idea? How did you know that, like, I mean, to quit your job and start a, a, a new company was, that's a scary big endeavor. I know your wife, I'm sure she was like, are you sure this is a really good idea? Like, how did you know? How did you know that it was going to, you know, to be worth the payoff for quitting a job? I mean... Carrie, if there's anybody listening here today who's ever been an entrepreneur, can you honestly look in the mirror and answer that question and be like, yes, I just knew this was no. Um, I mean, and it's like one of the things that I've learned about being a CEO again for the first time is you, you never know, right? I mean, you never know unequivocally. I mean, there are certainly times when your gut says, I am 99% certain this is the direction we got to go. But uh, I didn't know, you know, probably the biggest challenge I've had to overcome was very first convincing my wife. She said, you know, you're leaving a pretty well-paying job. 
Um, and seriously, you're going to go start this company without outside funding and not take a salary for 18 months, really? Um, you know, with our mortgage and our two-month, two-year-old child and, and everything else. And so that was, I finally obviously got her to come around on that. Um, I was... I was pretty convinced, though, there was something here. Again, I know a lot of people who started companies said the world needs this. They just don't know it yet. It turns out the world needed Twitter and they just didn't know it yet. Right. That's absolutely true. The world needed Uber and it just it hadn't happened yet. Um, I question I question if the world still thinks we need Twitter. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> kind of. totally with you on that. <laughs> Anyway, enough about Twitter. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really, really fair point. Um, <laughs> but I, I just there were enough companies, yeah. enough executives saying, gosh, I, I need something like this. And it just doesn't mm -hmm. exist. Right. Yeah. And so I figured if a half dozen companies over the course of a two month period had asked for something like this, when a service like that didn't even exist and they couldn't even totally understand exactly what it looked like, they just know they needed it. I figured that if I can at least land those half dozen companies, maybe I could replace my income. Yeah. Well, that's how I first met you. It was at a World uh, Trade Center event in Denver. By it was before we were both in YPO, and uh, and you were talking about the exact thing that I was thinking of. Okay, I have to, I have to start operations in Europe, and what am I going to do, and how do I go about this? And uh, and so it was very relevant when I met you. And of course, we've had several conversations, but I agree with you. I think it's something that's that's much needed in the world. Well, I appreciate that. And then you finish the story and then you went home and hired us, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, for those listening, no, that's not that, true. That's not, not what happened. Go home and hire us. Uh, no, that's not what happened. But we did talk about a lot of different things. Uh, we looked at Germany and we looked at India. And, and I, I think that there's probably going to be some time in our future when we work together because I probably uh, am going to want to have employees in Saudi Arabia. Since you mention it. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it, listen, it, it's all good. And it would be a delight. Um, I just I just hope that some of kind of my international experiences help help uh, guide some of your decisions along the way. Going back to, I mean, do we ever really know what the right direction is? Not exactly. necessarily. We just make our best guess. So surrounding yeah. yourself by people who know stuff is good. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. All right. So as a first time entrepreneur, what was the most like eye opening thing that you learned uh, in that journey? Boy, the most eye-opening thing that I learned along that journey, I think probably I've already talked about this to a, to a small degree, is I, I used to put I used to put executives, particularly the CEO, on these pedestals. Right, I'd look at that CEO and say, "My gosh, she just she knows she knows what she's talking about. She's totally poised, totally put together." Right, the toughest of decisions they handle with grace. Um, right, and and they just they just go. One of the one of the, the big realizations for me is anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, it is just a matter of what really separates people. I think is most are are kind of unwilling to take that leap. Yeah. Um, and that's no disrespect at all to anybody. It's just that I truly believe if you if you get up the courage and you take that leap, you know, that net will appear. Um, 
what exactly that net looks like, who knows, right? In, in, yeah. in, in my particular case, again, I think I've been particularly blessed. We've had a lot of success along the way. It's kind of been a quote unquote success net. But even if you don't, the learnings along the way are just absolutely incredible. And in some ways, that's what that net looks like. Yeah. So I, I think it's taught me to take courageous challenges in my life um and again it's it's one of those things where it just it just made me realize like my gosh i a long time for a long time told myself you know you don't you don't really have what it takes to go go be a ceo or go be a founder and i realize now that what it really just takes is kind of the courage um yeah i talked about this in my last podcast uh and i think it does take courage but it also takes that you have to be willing to go the extra mile and a lot of people aren't, whether it's fear that holds them back or time that holds them back or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, those self-limiting beliefs, but the, the, the going out there and doing the, the extra work and going that extra mile can be a little bit lonely because it is hard and there's not a lot of people out there because it does take perseverance and you have to be willing to handle the, the, the downs that comes, come along with the ups. And so, you know, I don't know that everybody can do it, but certainly if you are going to, you have to be willing to go that extra mile. For sure. And I think mm -hmm. you hit upon a really important point around those self-limiting beliefs. And for, for those listening to your podcast here today who aren't at the C-suite level or aren't a CEO, know that those self-limiting beliefs are ubiquitous regardless yeah. of what position you're in within the organization, right? I, I, I deal and struggle with those on a daily basis, right? And those are the things that I have to constantly, constantly keep at bay. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that a lot of people goes back to that initial part of our conversation with, you know, you think you put people on this pedestal and you think, oh, well, this person handles every decision with grace and, and can just keep, you know, succeeding and persevering. And really, we're all human and we all are facing those self-doubts. And yes, you have to put, um, you know, your game face on when you have to make a hard decision and you have to look at your company and say, here's where we're going, or we have to make layoffs or we have to do this or that, that, that are really hard. But I think a lot of people think that, that, that CEOs have all the answers and that they don't have the same fears and insecurities as non-executives. And then I think that that's just absolutely not true. It is absolutely not true. <laughs> I know it for a fact. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you firsthand. I'll tell you firsthand. All right. So not only have you uh, did you get onto the uh, Inc. 5000 list, you've also gotten several leadership accolades yourself. So uh, congratulations and uh, and they're well deserved. Uh, can you tell us about your leadership philosophy and what you think you do differently than others? Leadership philosophy that's that's different than others. Um, I, I honestly can't say I've spent a ton of time really noodling on this or thinking about it, um, because to a certain degree, my leadership style I think is just leading from authenticity, and so what you see is what you get with me for, for better or for worse. I'm, I'm sure some of the folks on, in my organization, particularly some of my executive team will, will roll their eyes in some ways. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Um, but hopefully in all in all, it's a net positive. Um, and so, you know, I think that authenticity and authentic leadership, which there's been books and books and books written on, right. But 
it's about the only way that I know how to to operate just in life. And so that's one of the the big things. Um, you know, potentially is an, an attribute there of humility. Um, and, and I fully recognize the irony of patting oneself on the back for being humble is not a really humble statement. <laughs> um, but but I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, a friend of mine who does a, a podcast, really, really great one. Um, and he had this guest on and they were talking about humility and he was quoting somebody who said, you know, humility is not, humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of our core values here at Velocity Global is service. And instead, another way is really that humility, right? The less you can kind of focus on yourself or what you perceive to be in that very moment, the most important thing for you, I should say for Ben, the more that it frees me up to be able to think about others and, and put myself in other people's shoes and, and you know, operate, not lead from humility, but just operate from a place of humility. Yep. Um, and I, I, think, I think honestly, being a, a first time entrepreneur, that's really helped too, because, you know, I have close to 20 years in the professional world before taking this leap. Um, and so, you know, I, I've been in all the positions that everybody in our company has been in, right? And, and especially as being a founder and self-funded, I mean, for the first year, it was just me. And so I literally did everything that people did within the organization. And so that creates a, a, an element of humility, I think, as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people say that, they confuse like, okay, if you're a humble person, that means that you don't necessarily exhibit self-confidence. And I think those two go hand in hand so well. You can be come from a place of humility and always know that you're learning and admit your mistakes and understand that you're, you know, part of the greater good and and also believe in yourself and have the confidence to say, I'm going to persevere. And it's okay to say that, hey, these are my talents and I'm actually pretty good at some of these things, even though I kind of suck at these things. And, uh, and I've really had to learn that where I've downplayed my self-confidence because I feel like, okay, well, I'm not being humble enough. Um, and really they can go hand in hand if you are always thinking of others first and doing it for the greater good rather than for your Yourself, but you should never diminish your own self-confidence and your own self-value in this in the name of being humble. I don't think that that's 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 real or authentic. Couldn't agree more, Carrie. All right, so let's talk about the biggest mistake that you've made um, as a leader, especially in your entrepreneurship journey. Um, uh, and how did you learn from it? What what changes did you make? The biggest mistake that I've made a, as a leader through this entrepreneurial journey is, you know, honestly not empowering my team at certain, at certain points. Funny, one of our values is empowerment. And so it's something that I talk about and we, we think about all the time. In fact, I regularly tell our team, if it wasn't for our value of empowerment, we never would have showed up as number four on the Inc. 5000 because if everything had to go through me, we'd be screwed, right? In many ways, we need to really empower our folks. I think of a, a particular instance in time where 
I was just utterly convinced that we needed to go hire this person. Um, and I basically forced the issue and said, we need to go hire this person. And I put them underneath one of my direct reports, right? Whether or not that was the right person for the job and could have led us to the promised land, the simple fact that I exerted my will and said, you need this person and this is the person and you're going to hire them and this is what you're going to have them do was a complete failure. Six months later, they were, I don't even know if it was six months later, they were out of the organization. The person you hired or the person I hired? Required, yeah. yeah. Person mm -hmm. I hired. Yep. Um, yeah. Person I hired. And so, you know, one of the things that really taught me is there's, there's, there's ways to go about it. I mean, if you're if you're trying to plug a hole by exerting your will in a particular way, it, 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 the people are probably just going to dig their heels in because we're all proud professionals, yep. right? Um, and you know, again, it, there was there are certainly better ways to to go about doing that. And I, you know, I have great guilt around it because it didn't move us forward. In fact, it probably moved us backward because of that mm -hmm. whole process. It created a tremendous amount of strain on my senior leader um, and that individual, which I put in that role, looks back at it and says, you know, thanks for nothing, Velocity Global, right? Like that experience really sucked. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. They would have been right. Yeah, that's a that's a really great insight. And I think that there's not a leader who can't that that won't resonate with. Uh, I've done very similar things. Like my biggest mistake has always been where I say, this is what we're going to do. And I don't have buy in and I force it and it almost yep. always fails. Um, because we are you you're it's the collective team that has to, to move the company forward. And if you don't have buy in, uh, and support, you're never going to achieve those things. So uh, it's totally relatable to me. I appreciate it. The, the hard part is, and again, this goes back to doing your best and making a decision at the moment as, as the ultimate decision maker leader within the company, trying to decide of where to draw that line can be really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that, in that right now. I think one of the most interesting things that have happened uh, through the pandemic is <clears throat> something that I've wanted to happen for a while, have happened for a while, but it was really difficult. So I started at Stone Age when I was 28 and I did yep. everything in the company. Almost every person had reported to me. Uh, and so I grew up being very hands-on and of course we're so much bigger now and I just cannot know every intricate detail within the organization. And, um, and so what has happened through this pandemic is that my executive team now is the face of their teams where instead my personality would walk through the building and, you know, it's like, well, she's, you know, she's been doing this for 15 years and, and she knows every single detail of the organization. And now my team is really stepping into those, into that role and I'm taking a backseat and it's a little uncomfortable for me. I've said, this is what I want, <laughs> but I'm also like, who, like, am I really okay with all of this? But it is really this, it's a really great thing to now see that the team is making all of these decisions and they're making better decisions and coming up with far better ideas. Uh, and it's, it's trickling through the whole organization without me overpowering, whether intentionally or unintentionally, the situation. So it's been really a healthy thing for the company, even though it's different and it will look different going forward. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and it's awesome to see the great decisions that are being made that I'm not part of. For sure. For sure. That is, I mean, that's level 10 leadership, right? Is, is yeah. when 
when those folks who can really pick up the mantle and, and run with it, they don't necessarily need you. It, it's hard. I wonder if you've experienced the same thing, Gary. There have been times in our growth, and it typically is when I'm in, I wake up and I realize, my gosh, I have been in such literal pain for the last month or quarter. And it's because I'm holding on tight and refusing to grow as I need to. And it, it every single case, it has been empowerment, right? Is I feel like I am so critical to that process that I have to stay involved. And it, it's making everybody crazy, most of all me, right? I'm wondering, yeah. I'm, I assume you've kind of seen that as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I have this whole, this trigger word, it's resistance. When all of a sudden I feel that tightness, it's like, what? okay, this is resistance. What am I resisting? You almost mm. never get what you want if you're not going with the flow, right? So that that's really what I feel is when I'm resisting something or really, you know, pushing back or holding back or trying to force something. So that's my trigger word. <laughs> I just... I just took out a post-it note and I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put it right on the top of my computer. Resistance. Yep. It's uh, it is the root of, of so much self-induced pain. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Velocity Global for a little bit. Um, so what's your vision for the company and, um, and what do you do best as an organization? The vision for the company is... Let me describe it this way. I started the company with three principal goals. One is I wanted to create a company and environment that was a truly once in a career professional opportunity that for everybody that came and worked here. I shared with you that one person I tried to jam in and I am certain he would probably look at you and say, yeah, it was not a once in a career professional opportunity. So I haven't hit about a hundred percent and I know that, but it's sure my goal. Um, and if someday when, who knows, maybe, maybe we, some of us will retire from Velocity Global someday, but for all, all the rest of, of everybody who move on to that next one, move on to their career, I just, if they look back someday and they say that was the, that was the best professional experience I ever had, I will consider it a huge success. Two, I want to take care of my family. Um, and for what it's worth, take care of my family is not, you know, three vacation homes and flying around on private planes and that all day. It's a roof over our head. It's college if they choose to go paid for, you know, it's the basic things kind of taken care of, right? And then three, I want to just be able to give back to the community uh, in which I live and work. And so the vision is our goal is to grow this thing and grow this thing big um, because it really kind of helps me accomplish all three of those goals. Just because you're big doesn't mean it's a once in a professional opportunity for the employees that work here. But let's take, for example, someone who started really early in the organization, our 10th employee. You went from a couple hundred thousand in revenue to multi-billion in revenue. You've watched that entire thing. You've played a critical part and that entire thing in its growth cycle, you can go get just about any job that you want after this, right? You are going to be so valuable because of the lessons that you learned along the way. And so that's honestly what that, that vision is. The word that comes to mind as you were, as you were explaining all of that is impact. It seems like you know, impact in your employee's life, impact in your family's life, impact in your community. And of course, I know you, so I know that that is something that's important to you, but that's really what it sounds like you're, you're saying is how do you make the biggest impact possible? 
bingo, yeah. bingo. You know, yes, early on, what's one thing that surprised me? Another thing that, that surprised me now that I think about it with Velocity Global is, again, being a first-time entrepreneur, is how you can use the platform of a company for good. Um, I think, and despite growing up and being in the business world, I always looked at companies as a platform of just uh, creating a product or a service and then profit machines, right? But frankly, while some of those things can and potentially do happen along the way, you really have a platform. And we talk about giving back to the community. We've created, in the course of five years, uh, we've created hundreds of jobs here in Denver, Colorado. Good, well-paying, you know, white-collar jobs here in Denver, Colorado. People that are buying homes, buying cars, paying their taxes, giving back to their community, volunteering, you know, donating their money. You know, we've had a real impact. But that's that's great and that's good. But that's you know, peripheral. If you can then use that platform to really lead from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, which I can't say that we necessarily have historically, but we're focused on now, yeah. right? Um, and we're really starting to work on now. If, if you can create a, a community where, hey, I know we all work together, but we're all going to really purposefully give back to the communities in which we live and work, um, you know, you're able to do it. We do a once a year uh, Velocity Global Day of Giving, and every country in which we operate, our teams choose the the, the organization they want to get involved in. And we shut the whole company down for a day, and you know we donated hundreds of thousands of dollars last year to to literally dozens of countries around the world, and everybody gave a, you know a full day of their time as a minimum, and it's really created that it's permeated the culture of the organization. So if, if, if our viewers could, our listeners could see it, see a big smile on my face, because this is so what I believe. I believe that businesses can solve every problem in this world if we decided that that's what we wanted to do. Um, and I don't think you should minimize the impact of creating good jobs because capitalism only works if you have a strong middle class, right? It can't just be yes. the top, yes. the very wealthy who drive okay. the, the economic engine. And so the, you know, Stone Age is an employee owned company. And I look at that, we're creating a really strong middle class for Durango. And that matters. It has such a ripple effect on a community and it has such a ripple effect on the economy. And we need to pay livable wages and we need to pay, we need to be able to share in the success of the organization with our employees who are the ones who are creating the success, right? It's not you or me, it's all of the hard work that they're doing. And so we need to pay, we need to, 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 to value the, um, the, the hourly uh, paycheck yeah. and then solving the big, world's biggest problems. <clears throat> we can do it. We just have to decide that we want to. And I personally think waiting around for government to make rules and regulations that force us to do something is a lame excuse for not taking action. And so we can do that. We are, you know, such a powerful force businesses are. And so I believe it, that we can make a huge impact, not only on the lives of our employees through how we treat them, but also in how we decide we want to fix some of the world's biggest problems. C completely agree. Completely agree, Carrie. And one of the things, and I, you have made an impact, not just in Durango, Colorado, where you are, but at a state level, 
here in Colorado. I know you've sat on, you know, groups, you've sat on committees, right? You've, you've advised our state government on a number of things. We are really blessed in the state of Colorado in that our government is not only open to, but, 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 but seeks the input of business leaders in making those decisions. And I think you have to have a, in like anything in life, you have to have a richness of dialogue. You need, um, you know, you need those bookworms, right? You need the, you know, you need the, the educators, you need the, the people who are policy wonks. And then you also need, honestly, the, the input of local businesses, because that richness of dialogue goes a long way. And I know a lot of governments, you know, some states here in the U.S. And, and a lot of governments around the world that don't necessarily look at it that way. And of course, there's some governments that go too far. I mean, you can have too big of a representation from from the business world and business leaders, right? It's really that balance. Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think everybody has to be at the table uh, and listen. That's the problem. We just don't listen. We are all so busy talking over each other Amen. that we don't sit down and listen and say, okay, great. We have all of these people at the table. Now, how do we solve some of these biggest challenges? But Anyway, that's we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast. Uh, I know, I know, I know. All right. So I do want to talk about one more quick thing before we wrap up uh, uh, this interview, because I'm a technology buff. As you know, I just bought an IoT company. Uh, I'm all about uh, how uh, people are incorporating technology into their businesses. So I love um, this uh, headline from your website, and it is a perfect pairing of technology and human expertise. Uh, so tell us what that means and how are you using technology to help either streamline or improve talent acquisition, uh, management, and and especially across the, the globe? Technology is a huge boon and benefit to, to businesses. And if you're a, a tech-only player, Right then, then we're not talking about the service side. <laughs> Let's go back to Twitter. You don't need a service element to Twitter, right? It's just a platform. You get on there, you use it. It's very intuitive and, and straightforward to use, um, and 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 incredibly straightforward. In a business like ours, that we're in the business of employing people, unfortunately, you can't just go tech only, right? However, you also can't go service only if you ever want to scale, right? You, you simply you, you just simply can't scale a service only organization. And not only are we interested in scaling, but there are a lot of companies that are knocking on our door and saying, hey, we'd like to work with you. And so we're, we're forced to scale. And so the way that we look at it is we're both a service and a technology company. And so when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with payroll, you're dealing with benefits, you're dealing with the life things that gets thrown at all of us at any particular time. Throw in the, the crazy caveat that we also are supporting employees today in 110 countries, right? You're, a technology can't solve some of those things. It is, it is human and it's human interaction and it's human expertise and honestly, our, our branding is all about people first, right? And sometimes people really need to lean on people. Like you and I talked about when I have my biggest challenges, I talk to my closest friends, right? Yeah. Who, whose opinion I, I really appreciate. Um, and so there's a people side to, to what we do that is just simply always going to be a piece of it. That being said, there's so much that you can do today to automate, to streamline, to make 
processes be correct every single time, you know, so that people aren't fat fingering in a salary for that month, right? That's a horrible mm-hmm. thing. You can't get people's, when you're trusting with people's salary, you have to get that right every single month. There is so much that you can automate there. Unfortunately, you can't automate 100% of it because stuff is going to come up, right? And oh my gosh, we forgot to tell you that actually that person got a pay raise and, and you got to make sure you push that through, right? Um, there's just a, a human element to that whole thing. And so we're in the, the business of both being a technology and a service Um and I got to tell you, it's fun to watch them see. We, we've created this marketplace. We've created this uh, this sector. And there are starting to be competition coming up. And Carrie, it's fascinating. Typical lifestyle of, uh, or sorry, life cycle of a sector. First, we got some kind of competitors in who are just kind of, kind of trying to compete on a low cost basis. Then you start seeing the next phase, which is the technologist saying, we're going to technologify this whole thing, right? You can just do tech only. And so it's just going to be fun to watch some of, them, some of those new startups come in and what they're able to accomplish. Um, but you, you, you got to have both. I'm all. with you. I'm totally with you. I uh, Both companies that, that I run, we are all about solutions as a service. And solutions are, it's the, the human aspect of it. It's the technology aspect for us, both software, data, and an actual you know physical product. And how you combine that to create real value. So I'm with you. I just think that right, the pairing of technology and human expertise, like that's where all of this is going. Um, yeah. 10 years from now, that's still going to be a very relevant headline. I, I believe so as well. Until we yeah. can get robots to think and behave like humans, which is actually really terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, another podcast topic. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to get Elon on for that one. He's got oh, yeah. Of oh, yeah. Oh, he's, on, he's on my list. I will have him on my podcast someday. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, as we get ready to wrap up this interview, let's talk a little bit more about leadership. So um, who's had the most profound impact on you in your leadership journey? Who or what, I should say? Honestly... There are some really strong leaders in a positive perspective, but I, I actually think back to a leader in a very negative perspective and way that had the biggest profound impact on me. It, it shaped the, the the culture and experience at this company. And you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but the culture and experience of that company honestly was the foundational building blocks of who we are today. Um, and the 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 culture of always hiring from the outside not trusting your people not not investing in your people and allowing them to grow up in the organization getting them trying to coach them to the point where they reach their own threshold of incompetence instead of just saying yeah we're just not going to coach you and then you just keep doing what you're doing and we're going to keep bringing in kind of senior people right that's that's defeating for your your top people allowing a culture of incivility within the organization. It just, it is crazy to me when I think back about this particular organization, crazy to me how one particular individual can spoil it for the entire organization. Willfully just being uncivil to everybody around them and management turning a blind eye, right? It just, it, it sets you back so far. 
And then finally, just honestly living by a core value of, of, of ethics, right? Like, you know what? Senior people in the management team probably shouldn't be messing around, right? <laughs> oh my God, I share that exact same philosophy. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing? I it know. turns <laughs> out that you're really kind of supposed to act like a leader and do the right thing. Um, and then you have to have that level of expectation. And that has set the tone for us as an organization. And I will tell you that there are people who are no longer here at Velocity Global because I started witnessing some of those things. And I said, this is this is not the place for you. Well, I think that negative experiences can have a profound impact on shaping our, our uh, future versions of ourselves. I, I share very similar uh, type of story and philosophy. And because of it, I have a no a-holes rule. Yeah. Um, you just cannot be that and work for the company and work for me. And, uh, and it comes from a really negative experience. And I'm, I'm with you. One toxic person can really destroy an organization if you let it. And so totally. I, I understand. Totally. Yeah. And, and you can have bad days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes the stuff that happens at home bleeds into work and the stuff that happens at work bleeds into home. And that's because we're human, right? That's because we're people. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have to leave room for the messiness of humanity because yes. we are messy. Yeah. But you can still say, you know, I day over day, I, I I have these expectations, and this is the level. This is how we're going to work together, and uh, and so you can still have that messiness. But I don't know. For me, it's always you know the cover up is always worse than the crime. So I always try to talk to people about when you're having a bad day or you make a mistake. You know, let's just get it on the table because then we can do something about it. But it's when you pretend it doesn't happen or you don't talk about it or you hide it, that's when it really festers and it makes it a lot harder to do something positive, Carrie, to have a positive outcome. And Carrie, that's what makes you an amazing leader. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I don't know about that, but thank you. Um, it's well, only because I've lived it. I know, you know, I mean, I've, yeah. I made those mistakes early on in my career, so I get it. Uh, we all just have to have room for, make room for each other's messiness and still hold ourselves to a high level of accountability. We do. We do. I, I, I completely agree. Assume positive intent, um, but do your best every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward, uh, which has uh, a lot of different meanings for me to me. But I'm curious as to what you think or what does Reflect Forward mean to you and how do you use it in your own leadership style? Oh, my gosh. Like what to talk about a perfect dovetail, right? We're just like this literally is what we're just talking about. Yeah. It is, for me, reflect forward is learning from the past, right? And boy, I think we feel like we've talked about this so many different ways through this podcast here today. We've talked about the the net that appears, you know, maybe that net is 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 diamond crusted right it's been it's been fantastic and it's beautiful and it's great maybe that net is old and ratty and it holds you up but oh my gosh it was it was really touch and go there for a little while right um the lessons that you learn along the way are if you learn those lessons and kind of reflect as you go forward that's what's really huge you know i've got i've got two kids love my kids absolutely to death one of the things we work on with our daughter right now is you can't make the same mistakes Mm -hmm. over and over and over again right therein kind of lies the problem therein lies the issue she's a great girl 
Um, and she's got a tremendous future and incredibly bright. I'm, I'm really, really proud of her. But that's one of the things we're working on is you need to reflect upon, you know, that which happened, learn those lessons, and then the next time apply. Yep. I think that's great advice. All right. How can people find you? How can people find me? Um, so company velocityglobal.com. Very, very simple. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. My team's kind of trying to get me to be on Twitter a little bit more, but uh, I'm resisting a little bit. I deleted my Facebook account, so that's that's not going to be any help to you. Um, so yeah, those are the things. Ben writes again, Velocity Global, and, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, happy to happy to connect on anything. Certainly, if there's anything about global business, happy to to share with you my experience and strength and hope along the way. And um, and if you want good leadership advice, then Carrie, make sure you tell everybody how they find you. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm sending them your way. <laughs> All right. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on the podcast, Ben. It's uh, It's been great interviewing you, and I hope you had as much fun as I did. Oh, are you kidding me? It's the best. Carrie, you're the best. Um, by the way, everybody should know I've had some kind of situations where I've had people, I'm like, I just don't really know where to, to send this person to kind of give advice. I've sent them to Carrie in several cases. <laughs> So and I just have, have to say. Have you regretted that decision? <laughs> no, are you That's kidding me? <laughs> That's what, what, they'll be on your podcast next. And it'll seem very self-serving because you'll say, well, who is the person who must influence you? And they'll say, you, Carrie. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to leave. Everybody hang tight and I'll be right back. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Carrie. hope you enjoyed this interview. Ben is such a fantastic person and I am so lucky to know him. I learned so much from that podcast. I hope you did too. Okay. So as you know, on the show, I answer questions that I receive about leadership, personal and professional development and life in general. This week's question comes from a customer of ours who said, Carrie, the Stone Age team is remarkable. I love working with you guys. There isn't a problem that your team can't solve. And everyone is so positive and so engaged. It's clear that they love working there. How did you build such a phenomenal team? So I gave a lot of thought to this question and it's really quite hard to answer in a short period of time. So I decided I'd give my top three tips on how to build a team, despite the fact that there are many, many ways to do so. So number one, set clear expectations on how you want your team to show up. Everybody needs to understand what the behavioral norms are, what's expected, how are you going to be successful within the company? At Stone Age, we have what we call the own it mindset, which are our behavioral principles that we help our employees learn to help them be more successful. They really need to exhibit these behaviors to truly find their way and to excel. So uh, the own it mindset includes be a great teammate, practice self-leadership, and deliver on the Stone Age Assurance promise, which is our promise to our customers. Team self-customers, the foundation of all great company values. So the thing that you need to do, though, is to really coach and mentor your team around your expectations and around the values. Most of us are not just going to come into an organization and exhibit everything that a company is about. People need support. They need growth opportunities and they need feedback on how to really be, be as successful as possible. So coach and mentor, but also hold your team accountable to living by these principles and values. One bad apple can ruin a team. Number two. Make sure everyone on your team understands the vision goals and what success looks like. You need to tie these two 
the outcomes that you expect and that the company expects. To have a great team, everyone needs to be pulling in the same direction, to feel part of a team, to feel successful. So make sure you are clear and inclusive. Don't leave anybody out. Everybody wants to feel like they're part of the team. And they can only do that when they're really clear on what they need to deliver and what success looks like. You need to show people that the work that they do matters and how they do it is just as important. So the effort, the quality, the teamwork, the mindset that they bring uh, to the table and to the team. This will help create, create success. And remember, most people want to be on a successful team. So this is really important. And then third, and I think this is one of the most important, never, ever run away from conflict. Help your team resolve conflict. Great teams don't always see eye to eye, nor do they shy away from healthy debate or sometimes even getting in flat out arguments. Instead, great teams know how to work through this conflict and have effective disagreements and share their own experiences, giving each other helpful feedback. This won't, but this will never happen on its own. Most people don't know how to give feedback. Most people don't know how to take feedback. And so you really need to work with your team on what the norms are and how they can successfully talk to one another and uh, debate and disagree and come out the other side stronger. So conflict can be constructive. You need to teach your team how to listen for other understanding rather than debating to win, but never let conflict fester. Um, help your team really work through it. So strengthens the team. So those are my tips. I hope you found them useful. Uh, there are many more, and I would love to hear from you on what you do to help build a successful team. Always feel free to shoot me a question if you want me to answer it on the show. I really hope that you enjoyed today and I look forward to hosting you on the next Reflect Forward episode.